Hey folks, Uticast is back, episode number 52, and this week we are talking to Lana Nitty, aka Lana Led. You know, I gotta tell you, we said no more milestone episodes, but if there's 52 weeks in a year, does that mean we're officially one year away from when we started right now? Yeah, yeah, it is, I guess, technically one year away. Uh, I said, we said no more milestones, but So this is not a milestone. Not a milestone. I was just curious. Not a milestone. I was just asking a question, (laughs) that's all. It's been a good year. We'll be right back. Solid year of content. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny too. Like, um, I'm trying to think of where I'm trying to think of a year ago. We were probably real gassed because it was the first real episode, right? Because we had the the practice episode that no one ever talks yeah, about. Yeah, ep- episode zero. Episode zero. Patient zero. Patience. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, it's you know what the only thing the only thing I'll bring up about that is I am surprised at how fast it went. Yeah, it, right? do, it doesn't seem like a year. Well, because we like we started the podcast right around when we moved into this apartment, the Utica Studios here, and it's crazy to think we've been here for a year. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We've got a pretty cool landlord at this place because they wouldn't talk. Like there was not really much of a lease. They haven't been like it's a year. What are your plans? They're just like, eh, hey, good, wonderful. They seem to like us just fine. They I do. think because we're well spoken and we don't smell openly in front of them. Pulling the wool over their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for all you uh, fathers out there who are listening to the show, happy belated Father's Day. I hope you all enjoyed oh, yeah. your Sundays. Uh, I did get to hang with my old man. Yeah, how was uh, that? That was good. It's good. Nice to see my old man. He always has a good time. Uh, I saw my grandfather. <laughs> I saw my... That's, a, that's a pretty accurate statement about your dad. He always has a good time. He's always having a good time. Uh, but I'll, I'll make one point about that, too. My grandfather is actually the person who is the most interesting person I saw this weekend. Um, I don't know if any of you folks had this thing when you were out there. I used to be afraid of my grandfather when I was a kid. My grandfather on my Italian side, he was like an intimidating guy. He was just kind of a strong-willed dude. Uh, I used to like, be afraid to like mess up anything in his house or touch any of his stuff, right? Yeah. Like my Syrian grandfather, he he was a big teddy bear. He could wrestle right, right, and right. put him in a headlock. My, grandpa, my Italian grandpa was not like that. My Italian grandfather has entered into a stage in his life now where any Father's Day card sends him into tears. <laughs> like, just, like, uncontrollable. It's very like, Italian of him. Happiness <laughs> tears. Yeah, yeah. So that's... It's just weird because this is guy I've been... Spent, you know, I spent so many years being terrified of, and it's like, oh, you can't even read this card that I bet you this person read for, like, ten seconds and said, yeah, it'll be fine. That's one of the, <laughs> that's one of the really interesting things about aging is watching these people who are the lions of your childhood, you know sort of fade as they get older and becoming, you know, that generation. Like, theoretically, one day, if you ever have kids who have kids, maybe you'll be the scary grand. You would never be the scary grandpa. Who, me? Yeah, you. I couldn't see you being the scary grandpa. I could certainly be the grumpy. No, I, I see grumpy. Yeah. I can definitely grumpy. see. I can definitely see grumpy. I'm concerned for the show. I came in. You're real grumpy today. Um, you seem real deflated. I'm punch drunk from the heat, I think, a little bit. You, you ever have one of those days where... Uh, I don't know. I don't know where the time went today. I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. Like I really do feel like the day just got away from me, and I don't yeah. know what exactly happened during That's the day. It happens sometimes. <laughs> like I had all this stuff I was gonna do, and then I just looked down at the clock, and I was like, "What? What time is it? Like where am I?" <laughs> Mondays happen like that though. Sometimes they just sort of fly by with podcast prep. Uh, before we get into this week's show, by the way, Aaron Higgins, uh, not here this week after suffering a debilitating toe injury. Yeah, Miss our, our pal, Miss Aaron, she uh, she told me she dropped something on her foot in her classroom or something. She got a really gory mm. big toe injury. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That looks like, uh, you know, took out a whole bunch of the nails. She, showed, she sent me some pictures. Mm. 
because she's just sweet like that. Yeah. She <laughs> really, did. I didn't need to look at the gore, but it's pretty bad. So she said she can't drive, so she can't make it this week. I think that's how you can tell she likes you better than me, because she sent you the pictures but didn't send them to me. I feel like... I, does, does that show that you like somebody better when you send them gory pictures of you bleeding? Yeah, because you feel close enough to them to say, look at this disgusting, uh, gory foot of mine that I want. I guess. I need- how, do I, how do I ever get so lucky? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple announcements uh, this week before we get into the show. Uh, I think, yeah, we're just going to do a two-man pod. I think today. Yeah, okay, let's roll out too, man. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. Uh, so, a couple announcements. Uh, again, just getting some hype up for the June 25th Maiden Utica Golf Tournament taking view uh, taking place at Valley View Golf Course. Go to maidenutica.com backslash golf if you'd like to sign up. It's a great deal. Um, I did attempt this week to try and reach out to uh, the winner of the U.S. Open, Dustin Johnson. Your boy, Dustin Johnson. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah, my man. He won the U.S. Open, so shout out to Dustin Johnson. So I sent him numerous emails. That is, I, I'm not even joking. I sent numerous emails to this guy. I said, listen, I know that you're busy winning the U.S. Open and all, but we think that your presence at the Maiden Utica Golf Tournament would really be something that we could, <laughs> like, we could really make this work. Uh, and finally, after seven or eight emails I sent over the last two days, they finally responded to me. And uh, did they really? Yeah, they responded. Yeah, I noticed yeah. you say they and not yeah, yeah. he. <laughs> well, right. They responded to me and said, um, "To whom it may concern, please stop attempting to contact Mr. Dustin, Mr. Johnson. There are many people in this country who have the name Dustin Johnson. You've got the wrong one. So uh, someone named Dustin Johnson. Let's is get let's get that Dustin Johnson on the show and ask him what it's like to have like a, a famous name now. Um, yeah, can I? I'll just make a quick point. Uh, we we are going to talk about the NBA Finals a little bit today coming up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we are not going to talk about the U.S. Open. Um, golf was on this week. I sort of forgot about it. I don't watch much golf <laughs> on TV. I'm not. I'm not, a, not huge, a golf. I'm not a huge golf guy. I like to get out and play. Like you know, something like the Maiden Utica tournament. That's fun. Get out there and do that. But you know, I'm not. I'm not a huge golfer. Yeah, I'm just you know what it is. I'm not very good, and so it doesn't seem to make sense to invest the money in like getting clubs and shoes and stuff. To get better at something that I'm, I mean, I'm, dude, I'm terrible at golf. I'm mm. really, really bad. Like, I usually, I'll bring, if I'm going golfing, I'll bring a whole bunch of balls. Once I'm out of balls, I'm done. And See, I will run out. I feel like as a as a large gentleman, like, if you could hone your size into your driver swing, you could drive it, like, 9,000 yards, Well, I that's, like. you, you know what, though, that's a really good point, too, I think. Uh, like, I play golf, and I don't own clubs, yeah. so I always end up borrowing clubs. And, you know, like you said, I'm six foot five. And you can't Man. teach that. No, you but can't. no, like at like at that height, anytime I borrow clubs from somebody, I feel like they're too short for me. Yeah, like I'm yeah, bent over point. so far to get the head of the club near the ball that it feels unnatural, because like I'm bent much further than you should be for a golf swing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I think that's definitely pro- that. You know what? That's the reason why I'm bad at golf. If I had clubs that fit, I'd be I'd be beating Dustin Johnson. Huh. I'd be married to Paulina Gratzky. Is that who he's married to? Yes. Good for you, Dustin Johnson. Amen. Amen. Good for you. The great one's greatest prize. Talking about reaching out to people, uh, this is something we didn't really plan to talk. I don't even know if you saw this. I don't Mm. know if I asked you about this. So I had my phone, and I've been trying to get back into my own personal Twitter a little bit more, tweeting some more. Uh, Just I've sort of abandoned it because we've got so much. And so I've got admin privileges on obviously my own in the Uticast and Maiden Utica. Yeah. And so I got a notification a couple days ago that somebody had followed all three accounts, which, you know, happens from time to time when people find and they were all sort of interwoven in the same family. And I look at it and I'm like, Who, who's this guy? Um, apparently the violin player from the Dave Matthews band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like man. blue check mark certified, follow like out of nowhere, yeah. just track down Maiden Utica, Uticast, and myself yeah, personally. Boy, yeah, he, he. So if the violin player from the and like we don't ever talk about the Dave Matthews band, we're not really Dave Matthews <laughs> guys per se. Uh, but if that guy ever wants to come on the show, he's more than welcome. Yeah, you're talking about Boyd Tinsley, who I followed back from Uticast and added him to Friends of the Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? And I'll tell you why. Not because I have any opinion one way or the other about Dave Matthews. I've been to see Dave Matthews concerts in the past. It's nice. I had a good time. Uh, I guess what happened, a lot of times you'll get followed by somebody who is a celebrity, and you get excited, and you look at that celebrity, and, and then, then you, you see. find out it's not really them. It's a scam. So when I was looking at it, I was like, who's this? Uh, my first thought is, who's lame enough to come up with a 
parody Boyd Tinsley Twitter account. Like, who's sitting around there? Like, I need to have a Dave Matthews low-level member Twitter parody account. Definitely a Whitesboro person, yeah, I feel for, like. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's yeah, but so let's get that guy out here. He can play, like, the theme music and violin and all that stuff. It'll be all right. He wakes up in the morning. Oh, dear God. That's all. That's I only... quit. <laughs> Good. <laughs> we'll be back for another segment if Kevin's still here. Otherwise, it'll just be me, apparently. Oh, Jesus. take about golf for you instead of being a professional golfer what are your thoughts on being one of those dudes whose only thing is you're like a long drive champion you see this on like espn or like weird tv late at like three in the morning like your whole mo is just long drive champion it always looks like the guy who's closing out the bar at like three in the morning just like a big unathletic dude I'm trying to get into like not some, really sure what you're trying to say there. I'm trying to get into niche athletics is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like I need like a like that I think would be, niche athletics is a great term. Niche athletics, man. Like that would be the equivalent of like, are you a baseball player? No, but I'm a professional home run derby contestant. Like what does that even mean? <laughs> like what are you talking about? Can you not hit the ball otherwise? And then I wonder if you're a professional long drive champion. The only reason you're not a real golfer is because you must be a terrible putter, right? Like, you just must just have missed. Probably, probably all of it. Even, like, middle shots with, like, irons and stuff, mm. like, middling, like, chipping shots and stuff. You're probably, or, you know, maybe in a long drive contest, how straight do you have to hit it? Um, I mean, obviously, now, you know, the straighter, the further, but, like. Now, uh, this is something that I've only seen, so I'm only assuming, because I've only seen it on TV, the idea is you basically have almost like a football field type scenario. Right, right. And you have to land it anywhere on that patch of square, right? Oh, like, But it's, I feel like, it, I don't know. It's not like, it's almost like the equivalent of like one of those punt, pass, and catch contests, like for mm-hmm. the NFL, right? It's not like, I, I don't know. But what do you think those dudes make, right? Like you're making a good living if you're a long drive champion, right? Decent, I, bet they still, I bet they still have regular jobs. Regular jobs. Yeah, some sort of. I bet it's not their only source of income. I don't think you're making that kind of money. But who knows? <laughs> Long drive champion out here making the big bucks. Niche Athletics. Sponsored by Jimmy John's, I would imagine. Um, yeah, Niche Athletics. Uh, so I want to shout out some uh, a real story today, though, that I wanted to bring up. Uh, today, well, Monday, uh, is World Refugee Day. Now, uh, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to take a moral high ground on here because there's going to be a lot of articles that came out yesterday about World Refugee Day. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to shout out our good friend at Maiden Utica, Kate Riley, who did a really excellent uh, piece for MaidenUtica.com called Happy, Happy World Refugee Day. It's uh, a small piece. It's also a link to a bunch of other uh, articles and other information, especially in this city. Uh, I did want to bring up uh, a couple facts that I thought were interesting. One is that one in five people living in Utica currently is a refugee. I believe that. Yeah. And it also makes this the fourth largest concentration of refugees in the United States of America. That's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Um, Now, this is not something that I'm like, this is not news to me necessarily. This is something. Yeah, no, we've certainly talked about this before. Well, and even for a guy like you, I mean, you went to, you know, Utica's high school, you went to Proctor. Mm. And you went to Proctor, like, right as the the wave of Bosnians was sort of cresting. Sure. And so sure. you saw it firsthand that there's a huge subset of a population that's not specifically well represented all across the country. But certainly here in Utica, you know, the Bosnians make up a giant percentage. Oh, yeah. Certainly, like, you know, people from Belarus um, and, like, Russians and even Ukrainians, things like that. Mm. So, you know, I mean, you see it firsthand. We've always, this has always been a mm. refugee city. You know, even going back to the Italians, talking about your Italian mm. grandfather... There's a lot of strong Italian culture here going back even before, you know. Well, you know, I think, uh, I think too, it's important that this city is has been diverse going going back for as long as you can imagine. Really. Like, this has been a diverse city that cares a lot about immigrants and refugees and other, and other cultures and other countries, and it's a great mixing pot. I do think, specifically as a guy who went to Proctor, 
growing up around all this really does prep you for the world in a way that I don't think all schools oh, yeah. allow you I say to. it all the time. Yeah, I say it all, all the time. Uh, it's not great, though. And, and it's, you know, it's it's a strange thing, I think, to to talk about when you feel like a person who's not part of that culture. Like, I don't feel necessarily part of, like, refugee culture. I can't imagine what the struggles are like. No. So I, I feel sort of weird talking about it, which is why I'd like to point you all to this Hat This World Refugee J article that Katie did, because there's some really excellent stuff on there, especially with Chris Sunderland, who's, uh, mm-hmm. who we've had on the... He's not been on the pod, but we did the, the moderation discussion with him at the... At yeah, the yeah, the, the panel, the MV yeah. event. There's a lot of stuff going on in the city with refugees that I think doesn't probably get the coverage it deserves. More than you yeah. even see, More than too, you actually. See. Like when you go down yeah. certain areas and certain neighborhoods, and you can see people putting in the work to rebuild, but there's so many cool little like stores and restaurants and shops that you wouldn't even realize are there until you really go looking. And even if you're pretty well-versed in Utica, there's still a lot of surprises and gems out there that people aren't necessarily aware of. You know, I've lived here almost my entire life, and I still find stuff mm. brand new. You know what I mean? So that's, I think that's something that makes this city makes it what it is like that's cool to have you know what i mean like i tell people because at my job i run into a lot of people who are visiting being tourists like coming in from different areas and like oh you know so what's the deal with utica and they'll always hear about stuff like you know we should go get some greens some chicken riggies all that but when they're like oh you know what else is there to eat and you start telling them about all of these authentic ethnic cuisines you can get Mm -hmm. people are blown away in a smaller city the size of ours that we have such a diverse world representation we won't continue to have that kind of diverse representation unless we support these businesses, though. So it's always important to, uh, to think about, like, for as great as it is that there's, like, the Dominican Cafe on uh, on Genesee Street there, like, if no one supports it, no one supports this family-owned business, you're not, it's not going to continue to stay there. And we talk a lot to local business owners, so, you know, I see the kind of effort that people put into these businesses. They're labors of love, and it's intensive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not for nothing, uh, they do say that, you know, a large portion of the refugee uh, population in this city uh, is business owners, right? Like, they, mm-hmm. people who've been in this city for 10 years who are of Cambodian descent are higher rates of business owners than most native-born Utahians. Well, it's crazy. I, you know what I think a lot of it is? Because you don't they don't have an opportunity to be, like, yeah. jaded. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who are still very jaded about this area, you know, for all the positive things. Sure. And they're not necessarily wrong about some of the things they say, but when you take somebody who comes from like real problems you know what i mean like look at all the all the bosnian owned businesses in town like you know for people can be jaded around here like oh utica sucks there's nothing here you come from war-torn impoverished countries and you look around you're like wait a minute wait a minute Mm. there's money to be made here and Mm. there's a lot of a lot of substance to the idea that you know refugees who come from levels of being underprivileged that we can't even really understand from our cushy middle-class existences in america you know, they come, there's a lot of times people are willing to do the work that, you know, maybe a lot of native-born people aren't willing to do. And yeah. I think you see that reflected around town in some of the businesses that people start that are, you know, the bluest blue collar, but they're out there and they're making livings, you know what I mean? And what else can you really ask for? Well, uh, there's, a, there's a line that gets floated around a lot when they talk about refugees in the city, and it's like, uh, Utica is the city that loves refugees. Uh, and it's important to make sure that they continue to love the city back, because they're an important part of the backbone of the city, and maybe the most underappreciated portion of what keeps us going and what helped us get out of this, like, mass exodus that was happening for yeah. so many years, you know? Yeah. Let's move on to uh, let's move on to something else. Um, let's move on to another story that's moderately, uh, I guess, it's serious and also sad. And that was the passing of uh, Anton Yelchin, uh, the actor, yeah. age 27. He, he's, uh, so he, Anton Yelchin is not a super common household name. He's right. one of those guys you've seen in things, but you might not know who hmm. he is. He was in uh, the new Star Trek movies, which I've never seen. I've seen both of them, actually. He plays a guy called Chekhov in those movies. He's in a really underrated movie I love a lot called Charlie Bartlett. Charlie Bartlett, He was the yeah. star. Uh, he's in that. He's great. Robert Downey Jr. crushes my one of my all-time girlfriends. Kat mm. Dennings does a great job oh, in that. Kat Dennings. Go watch that movie. Uh, he was also the kid that got kidnapped in Alpha Dog. Oh, my God. He was that kid. He was that dog. kid. I yeah. about that movie. He's a super, super talented young actor, and it's really sad. I guess what happened was... Um, he was at his house and he had a, his Jeep Grand Cherokee, which it came out today that these have been recalled for having this really? problem. Yeah. Huh. He hopped out of it when it was running. He must have thought it was in park. Mm-hmm. And he had a very steep driveway at his house in California. So the car came down and pinned him up against the big brick pillar that like his gate yeah. and mailbox went to. 
And so he got pinned in between his car oh. and this brick pillar, 27 years oh. old, and he, you know, he got crushed to death. And it's just, you know, so sad, man. So sad. What's, I can't imagine. What's weird about it is, like, celebrity culture in general leads to all these, like, terrible, like... When I told you about it yesterday, and, yeah. you said, you were like, oh, was it overdose or Right, that's like the first that, thought, yeah. right? And that's the thing that I think throws you off is my first initial thought as a cynical like douchebag is but like, no because right? you're, you're usually not wrong though preconditioned you to feel it, that yeah. or even because when i first saw it on twitter when it happened uh somebody said in car accident and so my first thought was like a paul walker type thing where he was out like driving crazy yeah. or he just got in a crash but then i read about it and it's weird man such a freak accident that yeah. can happen to anybody and you know it just rolled away and it's you know it's horrible it's a horrible would be a horrible horrible long slow awful way to go oh, terrible and you know just this sad thing for you know everybody who's come out and talking about him people who've worked with him said that he was one of the kindest most intelligent like mm. curious talented people and you know man 20 I, there's 27 years old is just a shame yeah it's a shame yeah. go watch charlie bartlett great movie underrated never got enough play you'll mm. definitely enjoy it yeah yeah uh just sad. I, uh, you know, never like to see that. Never like to see anything like that. And it happens very often. Just such a freak accident, man. It's so weird. Like, that's the weirdest thing about it. Like, I can't get past the fact that it was like such a very specifically like freak accident. Yeah. Very weird. All right, let's move on to the other big news story of the week. I had a hard time with news stories this week, as you may or may not be able to tell by listening to this show. I, see, I feel like I read a ton of great news this week, but a lot of it isn't really conducive to maybe discussion on the Just, podcast. Yeah. Or some of it, like something I saw that was really cool that we didn't write down, I don't think I've told you yet. I was reading this either today or yesterday. Uh, I believe it's scientists in China. Mm. So they've basically what it is is they've found a way to convert polyethylene, which is the material that makes up the majority of the plastic that we use. Mm. They found a way to convert that into a liquid fuel. Yeah. Which is huge. That means that, you know, if you you can take basically like for all intents and purposes, your like Poland Springs water bottle, they mm. can convert that now into fuel. Mm. So instead of gasoline or coal or whatever like that, I guess the problem that they're having going into it is they're gonna have to figure out how to scale it up. Right? Yeah, right. So, like, they figured out how to do it with, you know, a couple of grams of plastic. Yeah. Now they have to figure out how to do it with a couple of tons. But if this plays out and can become mm. a real thing, that's huge because one of the biggest problems we're facing is we use so much plastic in society today and there's no way to really get rid of it. I love plastic. Dude, to be able to turn that kind, that yeah. level of trash into fuel would be something. This is also, uh, this past month is the, I think, 14th month in a row that we've broken the record for the hottest month on record. Uh, probably, not. <laughs> probably connected somehow, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> I also read, uh, depressingly, I think there's, like, it's the warmest it's been in Antarctica, and, like, there's the most carbon in the atmosphere around Antarctica that there's been in something like 5,000 years that they can go back and, like, measure to, so... You know who I blame? LeBron James. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Dude, is it over for hating LeBron James? Yeah, people? yeah. I, I think. All right. Well, we're. I guess. So I guess we're getting into the NBA Finals here. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, the city of Cleveland, man. The city of yeah, Cleveland. Yeah. I think. And look. And before we get into LeBron here and Steph Curry and the series itself, I want to say I was rooting for the Warriors. I wanted to see the story come to a conclusion. Seventy-three win season. Uh, back-to-back titles. Unanimous MVP. Steph you just, Curry. You want to see him put a bow on it. Wanted to see him put the bow on it. Uh, and it seemed like they were going to put the bow on it up until the last 10 minutes of that game where no one scored for like 10 minutes. It was oh, my God. It was 89 to 89 for like an hour and a half. I don't know what it happened. Like. It's a very weird game. Uh, but so when the Warriors lost, I was a little bit disappointed until they started showing the shots of the street in Cleveland and the fan fests. And uh, as a Buffalo Bills fan, uh, you know, like I... I can sort of respect what the grind has been like for these people, like, just yeah. waiting and waiting and waiting for so long for, for sure. the city. So, good for the city of Cleveland. Shout out specifically to my two boys, uh, Anthony O'Connell and Morgan Ferretti, Ohio's finest out in New York City. They are probably still hungover from last night, I would uh, imagine. I believe that. I believe that. What are your takeaways? What's your biggest takeaway from the finals, man? Um, I, I feel like it looks like somebody finally figured out what the... It's tough because I expected the Warriors to win it. And then they went up 3-1, and I'm like, okay, well, this is just a matter of time. They lost one. I'm like, oh, of course they're going to lose one. And it just kept going. I mean, I think this vindicates a lot of things about LeBron's career. I feel I still think he's a mm. faker and disingenuous and a crybaby. Yeah. 
And but like at the same time, how could you ever grow up normal when they tell you you're the next Michael Jordan since like 14? It's true. Um, to see him, I, I don't think you can fake the emotion that came out of him no. last night. No. You know what I mean? Certainly like I meant don't something for and you know yeah. I think that that's that's nice. I'm glad that he did it for the city of Cleveland. It was sad to see Steph Curry look so lost out there and Clay Thompson yeah. look so lost out there. Um, I can't believe I live in a world where J.R. Smith is an NBA champion. I can't believe I live in a world where Matthew <laughs> Dellavedova is an NBA champion. Like, I don't understand. Uh, give me your biggest winner and biggest loser from this series. Oh, man. The biggest winner has to be a toss-up between the... Toss-up between LeBron and the city of Cleveland, probably. Mm. Mm. Um, biggest loser is is going to have to be... Harrison Barnes. Oof, Harrison, Harrison Barnes. Barnes looks up. That was, that, oh, was no. the, that was the thing, man. I knew they were in trouble because those last couple games in the finals, guys like uh, I mean, besides the fact that Curry and Clay like all of a sudden couldn't rein in sixty yeah. points from anywhere. You know, whether I think they might have been probably tired because they were chasing history, mm. so they never really rested their starters. Curry may have been injured a little bit, and I do think they were shook up because yeah. they've never really had their confidence knocked. Mm. Um, and I think they did get kind of figured out finally. Yeah. Like people sort of figured out like what to play them. But if those shots were falling, that wouldn't have mattered. But guys, I mean, Harrison Barnes was missing like he missed like five or six uncontested wide open three pointers for a guy who going into this series they were talking about was going to get a max contract. He looks pretty tough right now. I mean, I think. Uh, oh, another one of the biggest winners from the finals, uh, the 96 Bulls. Yeah. Or the 98 Bulls or whoever it was that, that had the record before and won the whole thing. Uh, uh, biggest loser, Aisha Curry, lost pretty ooh. hard. She had a tough time. Biggest uh, winner, always the crying Jordan face meme. Uh, see, I think that, that was the biggest winner last night. Uh, my biggest winners uh, were a uh, guy from Cleveland, guy from the Warriors. Biggest winner for me for Cleveland, uh, Kyrie Irving, who... Yes. Get, get yours, get yours, yes, son. Yes, yes. Just out here becoming a superstar in front of everybody's eyes. Prove it. He's only twenty four. Yeah, it's going to be trouble for the league going forward. Uh, and also, my biggest winner. This is going to be a surprising one. Draymond Green. True. Like I know that's a, I know that's weird. He kicked True. a lot of dudes in the balls this series and kind of got a bad of ball rap. Kicking. But he seemed like the only person on the Warriors who consistently was out there doing work. Yeah, he had a great game last night. Series long. Draymond is a classic example of one of those dudes where yeah. you hate him if he's on the opposite team, but if he's on your team, you love him. Yeah. And yeah. there's not really much in between there. And biggest loser for me, uh, Steve Kerr, who seemed for the last three se- games to be overly confident that they were just going to find a way to win this, and he never really seemed to have well, I, urgency. I think I, that's that's one of the things that it comes down yeah. to, is a guy like Kerr is when that, like, it's yeah. easy to get cocky when you have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson performing magic it's also easy, on the court. It's like, also easy to get cocky when you're coaching against Tyron Lue on the other side. You're like, he's not going to outcoach me. Tyron uh, Lue, big winner. Big winner for <laughs> big Tyron winner. Lue. Big winner, T.Y. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, uh, you can... We're gonna start moving our sports content over to the uh, the new Twitter, which we can we can talk about after the interview. We'll bring that up in a minute. Uh, but let's get into the interview for this week because uh, I have a fascinating interview. Uh, last week I sat down with Lana Nitty, and if that name isn't familiar to you, uh, it will be because she's been all over uh, local media. She is the forefront authority about the lead poisoning issue that we have uh, in the city of Utica. Uh, what's fascinating about that is that she's also very, very young. For someone who is the leading voice on this, she's very young and also incredibly brilliant. One of the few people I've felt intimidated by almost it's, because of how smart she was. It's interesting now to get to an age where we can see people who are adults but also considerably younger than us that blow by you in intelligence. Oh, crazy. Like to see like a 20, 21-year-old yeah. who is just like worlds more intelligent than you are, yeah. those people are super impressive the older I get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy smart, crazy, crazy smart. And also really fascinating life story, really funny girl. So we had a nice conversation with Lana. Um, we'll go to that in just a minute, and we will return with another segment. I'm always, I, I tell people all the time, they come to the, do the show, 
And then they're like, this is where you guys do the show at, like, at the house? I'm like, yeah, this well, is... a podcast, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of fluid. You can um, do it anywhere, right? Uh, it, well, that's the joy about it. That's actually, um, that's the next thing. I need to get a studio microphone to bring with me to take places so I can do things on the fly. I used yeah. to have one when I did the old podcast, and then I got a new phone, and it doesn't it doesn't insane. translate. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Apple. Bunch ah. of jerks and throw my phone. Um, so, Lana Nitty. Yeah, uh, I want to introduce you here before we get too far into the interview for all of our listeners. Um, I don't want to cut you off, though. You seem like you were going to say something after I was trashing Apple. I don't, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we've got nothing to say. <laughs> uh, well, uh, listen, I want to thank you for uh, for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, if I've got this wrong, please correct me. Okay. Uh, I had to go to Facebook to pull this up. Um, you are currently working for the MBCC Learning Center. During this during this the school summer. year. Okay, and you are also the ju- a junior chemistry major at Utica College slash research, research assistant? Yeah, that's what See? I'm doing this summer, research assistant. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, uh, we're very excited to have you here. Uh, you have been all over the media. All over. I can't <laughs> oh, I can't look at the OD without seeing your face. Uh, is it a little overwhelming? Are you thrown off by it? Um... I, you know, I don't want to be a spokesperson, so sure. that's that's a kind of an odd feeling mm-hmm. to have, but um, raising awareness and, mm. and getting the dialogue going, I think, is really important, mm. so, um, and, you know, I've been talking mm. about this for a while, so. Right, and I do really want to get into this because more, it, it's fascinating to me, not only, since we spoke the first time at the uh, the TEDx, TEDx Utica mm-hmm. event, uh, I, that's got to be almost a year ago now, I would say, we're getting almost to a year Feel like right? No, it was like September, so was I don't it know. September? Yeah, like eight months. Am I losing my like train? I'm trying to think of like when the episodes aired in my head. Oh, okay. I don't don't listen to me. Okay. I'm shy. Um, that was the first time uh, we met you, and you brought up the lead poisoning thing to us at that time, and I was fascinated by it. And then, flash forward to today, not only am I seeing your face everywhere, mm-hmm. but I'm also hearing the concept of lead poisoning as an issue being brought up in other. In other avenues outside of the city, it's become more of a discussion point, I've noticed, in national media as well. I wonder if there is some correlation along the way. Like, is this a problem that we all forgot about as a community and, like, it's now rearing its head again? Um, yeah, you know, Utica is not unique in being mm. this this former Rust Belt city that sure. has a lot of older housing stock and, and kind of a mix of mm-hmm. low to moderate income families. Sure. And so you kind of see this this issue uh, replicated in other cities that look similar right. to ours. And right. so... Mm. Yeah, it's just something, because I, I think about it sometimes, and it's like, uh, we also live in, like, this this current environment where people don't, like, give their kids shots anymore, and, like, things we <laughs> forgot about are, like, coming back, and I wonder if it's, like, something that we just didn't pay attention to for a long time. It's kind of odd, because I remember growing up, and I grew, I was born in 88, and so sure. I grew up in the 90s, and it was a big deal, like, my mom was always like, stay away from the windowsills, don't <laughs> lick them, and, like, it was a big, it was a big deal, and then I don't, I I think we went through the carefree aughts, right? <laughs> ah, the carefree like, aughts is a good year. <laughs> and so, um, you know, um, I think it kind of just fell to the wayside a little bit, like like you're saying here. Carefree aughts. I forget that yeah. you're younger than me. It's very rare that anyone who comes in here to do anything is younger than me, so I'm like the old man who needs to be. Um, so I do want to get into some of the stuff you've done, but I want to know a little bit about you because I did some research on YouTube. There are a couple of videos. I, wa- I rewatched your video from TEDx, and I, uh, I watched a short video you did about... Uh, Science Award you were were putting on YouTube. Uh, It seems like science in general is a major part of your life and you as a human being. I hope I'm not misconstruing that. For the last 10 years, I'm a history major, right? I went to college as a history major. I feel like we have ignored science and math in this country almost in a similar way. Uh, So I'm curious, like, what... Did you have, like, an early moment in life where science was, like, fascinating to you that, like, you just, like, "I, I, I want to know more about everything (laughs) okay so i by nature i'm a very curious Mm. person that kind of seeks out concrete answers or reasons Mm -hmm. for things um however i'm also a high school dropout Mm. who didn't go back to school until they were 24 and originally i was thinking like oh i'll just do something like nursing because uh you know get a career get whatever Mm. you know some stability and i took a chemistry course as as a required prerequisite and i was just like no, forget nursing. Like this is <laughs> this is it right here. This is fascinating. Yeah. So it's, it's answering a lot of questions that I have just about the world around me. Sure. And so I want to go back to the, the thing you just mentioned though, because I've a uh, dropout thing. Not um, no judgment. Certainly, I've okay. I've had strange career paths in my life, but I'm I find that people who have had 
struggles and interesting paths to get to where they are when you have that second opportunity when you when you're like no I can do this again there tends to be a refocusing and I'm and I it tends to go across the board my sister was the same way she dropped out of college and then went back to school years later and this second time she was ready for it mentally it meant more to her and I'm did you have, like, was it, like, a personal issue? You just didn't, when you're not into school growing up or, like, just not really... Yeah, I wasn't, you know, I was young and, and sure. there was... Um, <laughs> I was young, too. I know how that goes. The <laughs> New York City lifestyle was calling to me and, yeah. and you know, I wanted to go out and experience that. And so yeah. that, that's what I did at that time. But um, you, How I, long were you in New York? Um, that's where I'm from, New York, originally. Originally. So. Really? Where, uh, what part of the... I spent, like, seven years in New York City, so I'm, I'm always curious when people are like... <laughs> <laughs> um, I've kind of been uh, all around a little bit, so sure. I spent time in Brooklyn, the Bronx, yeah. Staten Island, um, the Yonkers uh, area, and then also even North Jersey, so just kind of New York metro. Do you ever miss it at all? Every day. Every day? <laughs> <laughs> I go, I go. Thanks. No, I'll it's be honest. Like, like, it's, uh, I... I'm happy. I've been back almost a year now. Happy to be back. I still sometimes get these moments where I'm like, man, I wish I was like going to the bodega. <laughs> like, <laughs> the the 24 hour like convenience yeah. part is like yeah. really uh, was a, an adjustment um, for me. But um, yeah, I think that because I was older when I went back and sure. I knew myself a little bit better and kind mm-hmm. of the direction or, or path that my life was taking, I mm-hmm. definitely um, I was more prepared and more motivated and sure. focused and all sure. that kind of stuff. Uh, is your family around here locally or are they not mm-hmm. around at all? No, they're all down in New York. Mm-hmm. You still close, stay close to family though? Are you still like... Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just easier for me to go to school here with the cost of living oh, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like I just wanted someone oh, who's like... I don't, yeah, I don't have to work like 50 hours a week uh, just to pay the rent and mm-hmm. then commute and then take classes and send, like mm-hmm. this is way better. <laughs> um, so... I would like to get into a little bit more of uh, some of the stuff we've been, uh, you've been doing, things I've seen you doing. Now, uh, I'm going to put this out there. I consider myself sort of a, I'm not an intellectual per se. Okay. My intellectual merits are based in, like, I read a lot of books and I like history <laughs> courses, right? So a lot of this stuff was tough for me to uh, to take in initially. But I think that maybe that works in this case because a lot of, I don't know if our listeners are always as, uh, are probably maybe in our same vein as me. Uh, so I'm going to start initially with the TEDx event, which okay. was the first time I saw you speak. I went back and watched the video. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's called Confronting Lead Poisoning Block by Block. It's actually very, very fascinating. Uh, and you mentioned that uh, specifically the areas where uh, lead poisoning are really, I guess, is that the right word? Lead poisoning? Is that the mm-hmm. correct term? I always feel like I'm saying the wrong stuff. Uh, the areas where it's most prevalent, uh, Cornhill and West Utica. And you gave a variety of reasons, uh, decreased access to healthcare, uh, increase uh, in renting as opposed to owning property, uh, lack of uh, uh, dietary, I forget the way you phrased it, you phrased it much more eloquently than me, <laughs> but you also mentioned that the number one factor to this is race, and that um, black and brown children are three times more likely to uh, suffer this than, than white-born children. Uh, and I was curious to know why, I don't remember if you went more into the video, but is there a, is there like a scientific reason for that or like I don't know um I mean there's there's correlations between um race and and poverty and there's also um not just in Utica this happens everywhere but uh you know just the way housing gets distributed and who lives Mm. where and the fabric of communities and what makes that up um sometimes it's self-imposed sometimes it's Mm. economically imposed but it's you know it's kind of segregation of neighborhoods and Mm. so if you take a certain kind of demographic mm. and you kind of squeeze them into these lower income, mm. more dilapidated neighborhoods where sure. they're more exposed to these types of environmental hazards. And, and there's also a correlation between being like, uh, they say the, the more highly educated a parent is, the mm. more that they have a vested interest in getting their children tested for right. uh, lead levels and also being, mm. like, more um, aware, cognizant of this issue and being, like, vigilant with it versus mm. someone who maybe isn't as highly educated and maybe, like, spends more time working, per se, like, multiple Correct. part-time right. jobs sure. and all that kind of stuff. I, I was a single parent, so my mom was working constantly. Right, <laughs> yeah. I was, I'm, yeah. so I'm yeah. a latchkey child, and, mm. I, yeah. and I totally understand that. Yeah. Um and so, you know, all those kinds of things, when you put them together, just make this environment mm. that enables it to mm. happen more frequently. Uh, that presentation was the first time I had ever seen the, uh, you have the map 
showing mm-hmm. this. The, if you and mostly every article I've seen about you, they show this picture of the map of the areas where the concentrations are highest, and it's scary. It's a scary thing to look at on a human level. And what I wonder sometimes is, for me, growing up, learning about lead poisoning was lead paint. That was the only thing you ever heard of. Right. Like, ah, they use lead paint in the houses, and that's why you get lead poisoning. You're talking, a lot of the times you're talking about ghost factories, you're talking about larger environmental major issues that maybe people don't necessarily think of when they think of lead poisoning. Even um, leaded gasoline emissions, you know, we stopped using leaded gasoline Mm -hmm. over 20 years ago, but, you know, by the sides of roads, which Mm -hmm. could include, you know, front yards, right? Those um, emissions that were coming out of tailpipes that settled onto the soil, you know, lead doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't corrode, it doesn't... um, you know, its concentrations aren't diluted over time. And so you have decades of, you know, motor vehicle activity that's depositing these emissions roadside and, you know. I'm glad you brought that up because that was another point that I wanted to bring up. Uh, you mentioned in this uh, in this uh, TED Talk as well, one of the scary things about lead poisoning is you can lower the levels of, of lead uh, in children if they have it in their bodies, but the damage never gets repaired, which is very terrifying to me because it seems like how do you... If you don't know, how do you get back? You know, there's no way to get back. It's like, I don't know. I quit smoking, and I feel like my lungs are better than they used to be. <laughs> yeah. So, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, I, I mean, right, so that's your lungs, and, like, we really, really need those, but your brain right. is, like, I, I, it I, controls your but, lungs. Like, I need it. The idea, I think, for some people that's scary is if you do something bad, and then you stop doing it, you'll get a little bit better. This right. is sort of uh, nefarious in that way. It's like, oh, there's a real like darkness to it in a weird way and i don't i don't know it makes me it, uncomfortable <laughs> it, right it, it does and then it, it can manifest itself in ways later down mm-hmm. the line where maybe you don't connect the dots mm-hmm. in that way and so it seems just very mm-hmm. i mean yeah. yeah um and let's uh let's move into the other articles that i wanted to bring in because i've seen you uh twice in the last few weeks uh with two different articles one on love and rage media uh i derek's been on the show before and mm-hmm. you know I, I think he does great work uh that article uh is sort of and it's sort of tied into the June seventh. They're not the same. That was for the OD, but they're sort of tying into this Whitesboro Street property, uh, one fifteen Broadway. Uh, this is where the prospective uh, housing development is going. It's one hundred and twenty nine. Is it is it housing development or is it a? That's on um yeah that's on Whitesboro Street. Whitesboro Street. One fifteen Broadway is like kind of right around the corner. Corner right now is this? Where did you do the testing that found? Because what I had read here is um. It was at the Whitesboro Street property that you found lead concentration of 17,000? That was at 115 that was, Broadway. That was the Broadway. Okay. See, yeah. this is the part that I was... <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's yeah. a lot going on So that's 17,000 uh, 17, parts per million at the, broad, at the Broadway location. Uh, the only fact that took of this is 400 parts per million is considered dangerous. Right. Was this something that uh, was like people just didn't know about at the time? Or is it, is it something we were just unaware of? Or was it just looked over? Um... I'm going to say that it was looked over yeah. because um, this information was given to the state of New York, mm-hmm. you know, around 2001, 2002, right. and also the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation in 2012 mm-hmm. um, assessed all of the over 80 former lead smelters throughout sure. New York State, and they determined that the one in Utica was one of 13 that is of high importance. Mm-hmm. So people knew about this, and people were looking into it, investigating it, and, and even, you know, kind of trying to, to dig a little bit deeper. Um, but there's no structure there anymore, and um, when it comes to, you know, environmental cleanup of this type, you know, we're talking either Superfund or Brownfield or something like yeah. that, finding someone to be fiscally responsible for it can be mm-hmm. uh, very difficult, if not impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for a while, nothing was really going on in that mm-hmm. area of downtown, so I think it's easy to just be like, well, nothing's there, and there's mm-hmm. no building, and there's no responsible mm-hmm. party, and maybe it... It's not a big deal. <laughs> I guess my question is, and uh, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. It's just something I'm curious about. It's the kind of thing I wonder if the money was right. Is this the kind of thing that would be ignored generally? Like maybe not here specifically, but in general, is it the kind of thing that would be ignored for the sake of profit otherwise? If we had the money to clean up, right? If it well, was like an if, em- yeah, if the- if it was too much money to clean it up, and they said, right. we're just going to go ahead with it anyway, would it be uncommon, I wonder, for people to just skip past the fact that they're looking past the fact that there's brownfields and, and lead poisoning? I'm curious. I don't know. I, don't. <laughs> I, you know, 
It's tough. I, I know it's it, a weird it's name. It's tough and it's complicated. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've talked to so many different people about this and they say that when you're looking at an urban environment, it's just, it's almost impossible to avoid environmental pollution. Sure. Um, and so... While I understand that, I also understand that we have the highest rate of childhood lead poisoning in right. the state of New York. Right, of course. And so, um, do you continue to overlook this kind of stuff when you're right. dealing with an issue like that, or do you have to say maybe hmm. we need to put you know some investment in now? Well, that's hopefully you. Hopefully, the outcry becomes such to the point where you do make that investment, and it does become worthwhile for those in power to say, "All right, let's. It is worth it." Yeah. But uh, and that's the other question I wanted to ask you. Um, you have a quote that goes back to the original TEDx talk that I'm going to butcher poorly. It was uh, the implication that Utica is a unique city with unique residents and therefore requires uh, unique solutions uh, to complete uh, to completely eliminate instances of lead poisoning. I don't understand, I guess, the concept of what what is the general concept of how to get rid of environmental scale lead poisoning. I don't even know, like, where you even begin. Like, is it a... seems like a major project. Um... It can take anywhere from twenty five hundred to six thousand dollars per property to make it per completely property. safe. Mm -hmm. um, which you know, there's there's funding out there that's available sure. through the federal government to individual mm -hmm. homeowners through HUD grants and things like that to uh, mm -hmm. help them through this process. Um, and uh, you know, some of those unique solutions mm -hmm. that I was looking at. Um, they're not necessarily anything that requires an extensive like financial contribution, but it does require some time and thoughtfulness. And um, also it requires maybe people kind of who tend to be in charge taking a, a more of a backseat approach sure. and letting the community kind of, especially mm -hmm. in the refugee community, sure. right? Um, allowing them to be active in this dialogue and, and shape mm -hmm. it and, and you know give it that um cultural validity to have an impact in these communities and um sometimes it can be hard for people to say you know this is my job sure. but i'm gonna let someone else do it of course <laughs> so you know it's 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 it, it's complicated and, and sometimes it takes looking outside of the mm -hmm. box too i think a lot of times we just think like oh well we'll make some flyers and do some you know, outreach via billboards and stuff like that and it'll all be good, but I, I think we've shown that that's not effective here. So uh, maybe we need to think outside the box and go outside our comfort zones and, and look at other ways. Uh, well, the uh, the articles that I referenced, uh, one was in the OD from June 7th. Uh, it's called Land Must Check for Lead. It's an opinion piece. If you haven't read it out there, you really should go read it. It's really fascinating, a lot of the stuff in there, uh, as well as the piece from Love and Rage Media, which uh, i got to pull up so I can give the full <laughs> title, Unspoken Dangers of me scrolling to the top of the page. Unspoken Dangers of Urban Development, uh, Lead Poisoning, Ghost Factories, and Gentrification. Uh, that one's actually written by you, correct? Yes. Yeah, it's it's very, very good as well. So if you haven't read either of these pieces, you really should go out. I'm talking to our listeners, not you. Yeah. Uh, you've read them, obviously. Um <laughs> I have uh, one more question for you, yeah. and this is an easy one. Uh, are you sick of talking about lead poisoning at this point? <laughs> I, you know what? I'm not, I'm not sick of talking about it because um, I do think it, it's extremely Certainly. important. Yeah. Um, and when I just, like as a human, when I think about it on the human level, and I think yeah. about children, yeah. and I think about um, what, you know, my intellectual pursuits have meant yeah. to me and, and being, you know, able to harness my full and intellectual capabilities mm -hmm. when I think of that being taken from people without their consent right. it, it upsets me that's what I'm um, and I, yeah so <laughs> I'm riled up and I guess yeah. I'll be tired of talking about it when it's all said and done well um, it's I think what you're doing is important I just want you to know that oh, uh, even though it's Sometimes over my head in terms of what I'm reading. It's just me. Don't don't. I'm assuming I, that everyone. Yeah, it's a lot to take in. Uh, so I do have a couple quick questions for you before we leave. These are just our fun on the way out the door questions. Yes. Uh, Lana, besides uh, science and the work you're doing, what else are you passionate about? What else is Lana Nitty passionate about <laughs> in this world? Um, Lana Nitty is currently passionate about Game of Thrones. Uh huh. I see. <laughs> uh, very good. Yep. Right. Okay. That's good. Um. <laughs> Cooking and baking, I could mm -hmm. cook up a storm all the sure. time. It's uh, I call it kitchen chemistry, my more <laughs> like uh, you know pedestrian form of science. <laughs> when I work in a kitchen. I, I just want to say one of the chefs there is a former biochemist, and it's very funny how easily 
those two things sort of they go back and forth. They totally go back yeah. and forth. So it's very it, strange. Yeah, it totally oh. um, fits my my whole personality mm. type and everything I'm trying to do. Oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah. Uh, you already answered part of it. Uh, here's the next one. Give me something you are reading, listening to, or watching on TV currently. Besides okay. Game of Thrones. <laughs> okay, right. Besides Game of Thrones. Um, should I be totally 100% honest yes. with you about my guilty pleasure of, If TV? you'd like. There's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. You're talking about a man who loves professional wrestling, so you don't have to... Oh, okay. Well, if that's, you know, if that's <laughs> yeah. the arena that we're in, um, I do indulge in what is known as love and hip-hop Atlanta. You know what? I gotta tell you, you're not <laughs> the first person to bring that up as a guilty pleasure. Okay. All right. Um, so. I actually listen to a pop culture podcast I'm, when I'm not listening to only my own podcast, which all of you guys should do be do. Uh, but they talk a lot. That's like a very common guilty pleasure show. I feel like I'm missing out because I don't have cable. You're not so. missing anything. Trust me. <laughs> you're not missing anything. Um, how, do you, how do you drink your coffee in the morning? Oh, okay. I drink my coffee kind of dark and not too sweet. Like one sugar and one cream. I like mm. it strong. Mm. And uh, I don't. It, this is a question I usually ask people because, again, I'm usually younger. What was your first car? You know what? I've never owned a car. That's what I was kind of expecting. Have you never owned a never car? Never owned a car. You I lived in bike. New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a bus pass. See, that works. That'll do it. Public trains is underrated. Uh, it is. More time for listening to podcasts. Uh, Seriously. Lana, uh, I'm very glad you came in today. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you, uh, yeah. even though I'm not quite to the level of no, that. You know what? Uh, it's it's okay. I, the only reason I'm so well-versed is because I've been thinking yeah. about this and studying it for three yeah. years, but... Uh, if I can talk to people who don't have, like, a strong understanding and they kind of mm. get it, that's great for me. Like, that's kind of the level I want to be at. Uh, well, listen, keep doing what you're doing. I think uh, I think we've seen it the last few weeks uh, and we'll continue to see it. I think you really have brought this issue to light and people really are paying attention. And I think people will continue paying attention and it's going to be a big part, especially with the urban renewal of Utica, which has been such a popular topic of conversation for the last few months. Lana, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back to the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll be back to the show in just a moment. to Lana Nitty, who was, uh, again, I say it all the time on the show, I wish sometimes I could record the conversations we have when we're not uh, doing the interview, because those are always a lot of fun, too. We had a great, we, had, we ended up talking for like 10 minutes after the interview was over. Yeah, you had a lot of fun. I, I know, because like when you go, I'm rarely around when you do an interview, and yeah. I always ask you, and I know you did, I'm like, oh, how'd it go? Hmm. And I can tell when you genuinely liked the person and had a lot of fun. And I can tell, like, it, and when you're sometimes you're paying lip service, like, oh, they were fine. But like when you told me about her, I could tell that it was really... On enriching, engaging yeah. conversation for you. So I'm glad that, you know, glad to have her on. Yeah. And again, you can follow her on Twitter at Lana Led, or you can go to the OD. Uh, I'm going to post the links to all the articles that have been about her for the last few weeks. There's about five of them I've read, and they're all very good. Um, so I want to talk, I want to get back to uh, the NBA Finals very briefly, though, because I want to go off on a different point here. Last night was the NBA Finals, Game 7. Maybe the biggest basketball game in 20 years. 20, yeah, yeah. Been a very, very, very long time. Yeah, I don't know what the ratings were for it. I'm sure they were huge. Uh, we also happened to watch a wrestling pay-per-view that was happening at the same time last night. Uh, so what I did is I pulled the TV out of my room, and we utilized a technique I've been using over the years called dual-screen technology. Dual-screen tech. Yeah, dual-screen tech, baby. Uh, and we watched both games at the same time. Uh, how did you feel about watching two live sporting events at the same time? Um... It was it was it was good because I really wanted to see both. I was into yeah. watching both, but it was tough because it's impossible to focus on the two things. And by the end of the night, I was definitely getting a little like over stimulated. Yeah. Um, like I would catch myself watching a whole bunch of the game because it's getting close or something's happening. Then I yeah. look back and I don't know what the hell's going on, on the other yeah. TV, and vice versa as well. I'm like, oh god, when did they go up by ten or this or that? Yeah. Uh, it's tough to do both, but I'm glad we did both. I'm glad that we tried it out for because that'll come in handy again in the future. I'm sure. sure. 
Like when oh. everybody wants to watch something and you want to watch soccer all by yourself but That's be with your friends. That's very true. <laughs> uh, well, the reason I bring it up is uh, last night, besides those two events last night, last night was also John Oliver. Last night was also Game of Thrones, uh, which for not for us is a big deal, but for other people, that's a big deal. It's another big Sunday night show. Uh, so inherently, if you are in today's society, you are going to be hassled by spoilers. By one somewhere along the way in this line, something's going to get spoiled for you, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, we don't watch Game of Thrones, so that's a problem. Our buddy Cliff, who came in today, told me he had to avoid people at work today because he didn't want to know what happened. He had to tell people. Don't yeah, talk about don't it. Talk I haven't seen it. it. Uh, I feel like sports doesn't have that problem. Like, if I didn't watch that NBA Finals last night, no. and I walked into work and somebody told me about the, the Finals... I would have no justification to be mad at them. No, sports is too instant because it's not it's not storyline. It's too live based. Yeah, you know, right? it's not like, storyline. Like if you're the type of person who like records, like say you were working last night during the finals, it was on kind of late, but whatever. Say you were working during the finals game last night, you like DVR'd it, and we're gonna go home and watch it and not find out anything about it. Mm. I, you're kind of a psycho, as far as I'm concerned. Like that's yeah. kind of crazy to because, me. I don't know the amount of struggle I would have to go through to. To like block knowledge of the event from happening. If I left work, if I'm at work last night, right, mm. and the game is on, and I'm trying to tape the game and come home and watch it, I have to turn off all the notifications on my phone because they're going to automatically pop up on my front screen unless I turn them off. From your sports app. In my sports app, correct. Uh, I'm going to have to consciously pay attention to not hear anybody else in public talking about it. I work uh-huh. in a public setting. No Twitter, no, no Facebook. No Twitter, no Facebook. Uh, I work with other people who are my age and in sort of the same wheelhouse. So how how offhand would it? How many times have you said to somebody like you're sitting there looking at your phone, and you're like, "Oh, the Yankees won." Do you know what I mean like I say that all the time? Like I say it offhand. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just thought it was a crazy thing. Like I could have missed. I could have missed that wrestling event last night because I guess wrestling isn't. We could have watched wrestling again, and I wouldn't have felt like it was spoiled by not seeing it live. I could not have watched that NBA game. And not felt like it would. Have I been. think I think it's because TV shows specifically are predicated upon an intentional surprise. Like when there's a surprise that happens, like some crazy twist or swerve that happens in a basketball game, it's organic. It's mm-hmm. not scripted. It's not anything like that. And even with wrestling, all the wrestling is scripted. It's still not as purposefully you can still watch it and enjoy it because you want to watch these people execute like mm. these physical accomplishments and, art, and these things artistry to it sure but i think when it comes to tv shows the whole point like if there was a big spoiler in game of thrones last night like let's say they found out that you know the dragon was heisenberg the whole time or whatever the hell goes on in that show That'd be a great twist so like say that dude, they built up their whole season in their last couple episodes yeah around this reveal that the dragon is actually Heisenberg. Mm. And so with everything being predicated around that, that surprise, that twist is that much more important than it is just like, oh, hey, Steph Curry can't shoot anymore. You know what I mean? Because the whole thing is built around that, I think there's more value put on those types of surprises or twists or whatever. I can't believe that Paulie Walnuts killed Jon Snow. That was the craziest episode. That of was nuts to me that Paulie Walnuts killed Jon Snow. I couldn't believe the dragon was Heisenberg. It's weird. Um, it's a crazy show. I, yeah, I did not think that. Uh, there were a lot of things I didn't. Expect I knew that, that Ross and Rachel would still end up together though. And it was it was nice to see amidst all the killings and the red weddings and the dragons that Ross and Rachel were still able to get it together. Um, I, I feel like I want to spoil something old from like a, like a ten year like what's something ten years? Yeah, hell yeah, like, let's do some old spoilers. What's an old spoiler I can do? Uh, I would do the Prestige, but I actually like that movie. I don't want no, to spoil yeah, go, it for yeah, that's somebody if I actually saw it. Uh, oh, here's a spoiler. Inception sucks. That's, oh, is that a spoiler? That's, that's, not, not, a, a spoiler. that's not a spoiler. That's, that's, that's having a hot take just for the sake of having a hot take. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to one of the news stories, because I think this actually ties into something that you and me would appreciate. Uh, when you were a kid, did you ever want to be an astronaut? Uh, not, I mean, it always seemed like, uh, I wouldn't have turned it down going to space, but it was never, like, one of those classic, like, dreams for me. Like, I want to be an astronaut. Never. Do you ever know anybody? I feel like that's a pretty common... Yeah, tons of people. I knew every bomb. I got all these idiots with the space pens that can write upside down. I knew one kid that went to space camp. Oh, space camp seems like Space camp does seem tight. Uh, well, basically, uh, uh, what I'm getting at is that, uh, NASA is something we don't really talk about on the show. We don't talk about space. We don't talk about NASA because no one talks about... NASA. I would love like to talk about days. space. Uh, NASA released today some retro... I got a lot of news from space. You want to talk about space? <laughs> Outer space. No idea some of the news I got from space. I told you. I read. 
<laughs> well, uh, NASA released today some retro recruitment posters for working on Mars, basically. Oh, those are incredible. Did you see them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they released them earlier this week. Uh, I heard an interesting fact while going through some of them. If you're into that kind of thing, I think they're really fascinating pieces of artwork. Uh, basically, the implication, though, is that we are down to one-third of the active astronauts in this country that we had in 2000, which was the peak of NASA's, like, astronaut, like, height of their, how many there were. That's because we keep cutting NASA's budget and giving it to defense, which does not need one more penny. Very true. Go ahead. True. Well, it, no, it's just funny, because, like, it seems like something that so many people probably dreamed about doing as a kid that it's something that no one really talks about. Well, I think I think a huge part of that, number one, we're not really going to the moon anymore. Like, we're yeah, not sending true. folks up to the moon. But I think a lot of that, you have to give a bunch of that credence to um, robots, technology, like drone-type stuff. Yeah. We can send a lot more unmanned things to do work that we would have needed humans for before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's only going to continue to grow. You know what I mean? Like, if you have... If you have a machine that can do the same thing that, you know, some guy can do, why would you send some guy to die when, like, a machine just will turn off if something bad happens? You ever see people uh, who make the argument that we should stop exploring space and start exploring the ocean instead? Why don't we do that first? Uh, yes. <laughs> do you have any credence to this argument? Yes. <laughs> yeah? Number one, I mean, you know, going back to some of the news stories we discussed in the last segment, I figure we ought to start exploring before we've completely ruined the thing. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm fully, we know more about our local galactic neighborhood here in our specific solar system around our sun than we do about the ocean. And I think that there's probably, I I think that there's a lot of credence to it. You know, something that really interests me about exploring the ocean Mm. if, okay, so back in, you know, like long, long, long history, tens of thousands of years ago, like early human civilizations and stuff like that. Humans always settle around the coast. Mm-hmm. We know that all the sea levels were much, much lower. So you talk about like, ex- like archaeology, exploring ancient history. Mm-hmm. The majority of that stuff is probably underwater in coastal waters yeah. that used to be regular above water land mm-hmm. back when they started it. You know what I mean? So like people discover like, oh, look, we found this thing from like ancient Rome. It's like, yeah, if you go another 300 feet out and we're able to dig around out there like underwater ancient ruins and stuff like that mm-hmm. is infinitely interesting to me i think we should be exploring the ocean more. i mean there's only so much time and so much money to put into this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and i think it's actually technology wise i if i'm not mistaken i think it's tougher to get to like the bottom of the ocean everywhere than it is to get to you know well, certainly well, orbit the ocean is for some reason i don't know why this makes this doesn't make any sense at all the ocean is more terrifying to me than the space than space would be i would oh, much I, know, I would i know damn well why i would much rather go to mars than go to like the mariana trench in a submarine right like that seems terrible just yeah. all that pressure and all the deep well, sea there's, monsters because there's there you go yeah, the kraken there's there's <laughs> also not even crate sharks barracudas <laughs> giant like, squids yeah there's all sorts of stuff down there yeah i mean that's that's crazy yeah, I'm yeah, also. We gotta get a we gotta get a submarine, the Utica submarine. I would like to do the hundredth episode from the Mariana Trench in the middle of the ocean. Oh man, that would be that would be horrible. I'd be terrified. It would just be me in a tube crying. That's all it would I'm be. I'm pretty sure you need a little bit more than a tube <laughs> if you're going down to the lowest point in the ocean. But neither um, here nor there. All right, so uh, let's. Uh, why don't we get into today's over unders? We're getting toward the end of the show here. It's time for some over unders. Um, so, we're not going to talk about Donald Trump today. We're not going to talk about Hillary Clinton. We're not going to talk about Bernie Sanders. We will again at some point in time, just not today. Inevitably. However, I did end up reading, I did read an article today about Donald Trump uh, firing his campaign manager or something along. I, I really tried not to pay attention to Do Donald Trump. Do you think this idiot ever wakes up some days and he's like, what did I get myself into? I never thought I'd make it this far. <laughs> like in his deepest like thoughts when he's alone like trying to fall asleep at night no, in I his mean, coffin or wherever he sleeps he's gassed by it dude he sleeps upside down in one of those hanging like things like you do for your back right so mm. I read this yeah I read this article today and I ended up spending more time reading the comment section of the article than the actual article yes so I do today, that all the time so today's overrated underrated starts off with comment sections underrated as a big Reddit guy, um, I, I enjoy Reddit a lot. It's my number one time waster. It's where I get, you know, it's a, a great content aggregator for everything that I sort of consider an interest. I talk about all these news stories I've seen. It's stuff that I've seen in, like, science subreddits and, you know, different, like, archaeology, whatever. 
Um, the comment section is where you learn a ton of stuff. It's always interesting to interact with people and to see what people have to say just for themselves without, like, without the context of, like, mm. this is this article, this is this essay I've put together. Underrated comment section. Uh, I think the easy answer is that comment sections are overrated. I've seen people argue that there should be no comment sections because they just breed hate and misery and trash and garbage, which is not wrong. As somebody who kind of likes to watch the world burn sometimes, yeah, it's, I like to see the trash. Yeah, I like to see the idiots arguing. It's sort of, I guess the argument is it's good to know what what's actually out there in the world. It's sometimes easy to fall into a little bit of like a bubble sometimes. An echo chamber, your, yeah, yeah, absolutely, so absolutely. It, maybe it's good to read the comment sections and let it like wake you up to how either stupid how other people are. How many different viewpoints are many, out in the world. Yeah, that's a very PC way of putting it. <laughs> Social justice warrior over here. Um, all right, and then I have one more over under. This is actually based off a Vice article I read today, which was the pros and cons of falling in love with your best friend. Well, I read that. I read, you read that. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so over an underrated, tr- uh, starting a relationship with someone who used to be your friend. Um, used to be makes it sound like there's some sort of weird falling out. Yeah, I guess, right. But I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, uh, I would have to, I'll have to say underrated. It's a really dicey area. It's not for everybody. It's not for every friendship. Mm. But I do think there's some... It, you talk to a lot of old couples. Yeah. Right? So I used to wait tables, and anytime there was some couple, and a lot of people like to tell you older couples, oh, we've been married 45 years, and I've always got, like, happy customer service face yeah. on. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. So what's the trick? What's the secret, you know? And more often than not, a lot of people would have, you know, quick jokes. Some people would say things. But one of the things I hear from older folks who I consider to be successful, long-term married couples, so many people say, he or she is my best friend. Mm. I married my best friend. They're like, you know, you get older, they're like, Looks will fade, you'll have tough times, this and that. Make sure it's somebody you can always talk to and always have a laugh with. So many people say that that I feel like there is probably a little bit of underratedness to somebody who you already have, you know, this built-in understanding and level of care for each other and trying to test that out. If you're both coming from the same place, want the same thing, and have a pretty healthy, good head on your shoulders, I think it's something underrated to try, but it's certainly a dicey, dicey minefield to navigate. Right. I think... What you, what you start with, basically, is you already inherently know that you have something in common with this person. You have some basis for creating a relationship. You're obviously friendly enough, right, if you're friends with this person. Uh, I think what you fall into is the concern of if it doesn't work, right? That's, that's really... The, yeah, that's the, that's the old chestnut. Like, if it doesn't work, we've ruined the friendship. I'll be one to say, though, this. I've never felt like that should be a concern because you can't gauge something until it actually happens. It's very easy to sit here and try and make a list for all the things that could potentially go wrong. Oh, if I date this person, this could go wrong or it could go bad or this and this. You don't really know if that's going to happen, and you can't really, like, you can't and you preemptively always, heartbreak-proof your life. You have to take chances. And so. you always, and you always, always that, that's exactly it. Because yeah. what if it works out and it's the best thing that ever happened to you? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, if you... That's why you have to be probably at a certain level of maturity and understanding with that person. And, you know, it might be awkward a little bit if it doesn't work out or it goes bad. But, like, you never know, I guess, if you don't try it. And, sure. you know, realistically, if if it's bad enough to ruin the whole friendship, what kind of friendship do you really have in the first place with that person? If it's that's something fair. that terrible. You know what I mean? That's fair. I guess my long-term game of uh, marrying Aaron Higgins now, right? This is all my plans. All is that what this is? This this whole, feel, I gotta tell you, Sam, this feels like an angle? This whole podcast was uh-huh. my whole 52 episodes trying to get Aaron Higgins to marry me. She met a man, though. He's very good, apparently. He's a nice guy. I met him before. Have you? Yeah. I haven't met him. We should get him on the podcast. Yes! We should interview oh, him what it's like to date Aaron Higgins. Uh, That's hashtag, a great idea. Hashtag pray for Aaron's toe. We will be back next week, folks. Um, it's gonna be a good one. Thanks for... Thanks for hanging out with us this week for the whole year thanks for hanging out this year thanks for hanging out this year you guys rock